Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze, and it felt a little like... <laughs> Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge, with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. Oh, you have your mouth pulled out, don't you? Advertisements. Hey, everybody. As you know, this show is not a one-way street. It's a conversation. It's a community. We get a ton of our ideas from you guys. And that's why we want to make sure that you're connected with us on social media. Okay, so you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram by searching for The Longest Shortest Time. And on Twitter, we're at Longest Shortest. You guys, we, we often post questions in those places, and your answers sometimes wind up on the show. We also post great articles about parenthood and family in those channels to, to keep you company day and night. And we want to welcome new listeners today. We know that lots of you may have found us this week from This American Life, and we want to point you to a few episodes that we think you'll like. There's a two-parter that we did recently about my friend Kirsten and all the traits that she inherited from her father. I don't want to give away too much here, but people are loving up these shows. They're numbers 112 and 113. Also, the Accidental Gay Parents series that starts at episode 60. And W. Kamau Bell Asks His Mom About Sex is an all-time fave. That's episode 88. And if you want a good cry, actually a, a good laugh too, try 118 with actor Rob Hubel. All right, that's all the housekeeping I've got for now. On with the show. Meet my friend, Sahar. I'm a, like a 32-year-old single incredibly single lady living in Bed-Stuy with three dudes in a chihuahua. We used to work together. Two guys are named Michael, which was really confusing. And then my roommate, John, that I've been living with for a while. And just like the idea of me just getting pregnant and just having being a single mom out of my apartment that I share with three men is just like something from a really bad like 80s sitcom. Now, Sahar knows she wants kids, eventually. But she also knows some big changes need to happen before she can have a kid without her life looking too sitcom-y. I love imagining Sahar as a mom, like passing on her fun, absurdist sensibility, which she captures amazingly well on Instagram. She's always posting these photos of the weird stuff that she spots on the streets in New York. Like there's an inflatable green alien and a pink flamingo looking like they're making out. There's a, a Chinese restaurant sign that's supposed to say good friend, but the O is missing, so it reads God friend. Sahar's comment on that one says, this is some bad kerning. Kerning, you know, the, the technical term for spacing between letters. Anyway, um, Sahar reached out to me about a year ago. She said she had something that she wanted to talk about on the show. 
And she was actually in a similar situation to Andrea Salenzi, who we heard from last week. Like Andrea, Sahar's biological clock was ticking. But unlike Andrea, Sahar had a plan. I am going to get my eggs frozen. I just like woke up one day and realized that I'm a lot older than I feel. And if I want to have a kid, which I definitely want to do, I need to sort of have a backup plan because I didn't have all the ingredients that I need (laughs) right now. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Now, back when I was in my early 30s, I didn't hear anyone talking about egg freezing. I'm sure it was happening. I just didn't know anyone doing it. But Sahar says that egg freezing is a pretty common topic of conversation among her friends. And it is a growing trend among women who can afford it. So when Sahar told me that she was going through with this, I wanted to know more about it. Pretty much all I knew was that there were needles involved, and drugs, and surgery, and and money. I wanted to know how it all works, how it feels. And I wanted to know if egg freezing would work out to be the solid backup plan that Sahar was banking on. Sahar has a vision of herself as a mom, and it's pretty specific. I have this, like, weird fantasy of having, like, gray hair and dance coke logs and making, like... You have purple hair right now. I have purple hair right now. Um, But I've seen some pretty cool older ladies with purple hair recently, so maybe I'll still have purple hair. And, like, picking out a Montessori school and just, like, being excited about seeing people... Seeing, like, a little kid discover things. When Sahar moved to New York eight years ago to go to design school, that vision was sort of in the back of her mind. She didn't feel a lot of urgency to become dance clog lady. But as she graduated and built her career, hit her 30s, she realized she wasn't getting any closer to that dream. She still had to share apartments with people named Michael to afford rent. Sahar was feeling mounting pressure to find a relationship that would stick— But as we heard last week with Andrea, dating in New York with the purpose of finding a possible future father for your children. It's the worst dating situation that I can really imagine, (laughs) except for maybe like Alaska or something. Um, (laughs) There aren't enough, there are not enough men and there's not really enough men that are the kind of men that I'm looking for that are sort of like serious about their life and sort of like building things up. And I just haven't found one. I've just... This is kind of funny. I just seem to sort of keep going out with poets who just lost their jobs. <laughs> That's really fun for like a, like a month. It's not like Sahar's got anything against poetry per se, but it's not really a sign of the stability she's looking for long term. Sahar meets guys mostly through OkCupid, sometimes Tinder. But no matter what the app, she says it feels like the dating scales are tipped against her. Yeah, I think it's a numbers game. There was, like, a thing on, uh, I think it was Brian Lair, and they were talking about how there were, like, 200,000 more college-educated w- single women than men. And that's just in New York City. Like, it's a medium-sized town somewhere. <laughs> it's like Plano, Texas. It's, like, a ridiculous number. Do you ever think about moving? Sometimes, but, like, whenever I do... And I come back and I'm on the subway and I see so many like beautiful like weirdos. I'm like, I can't, I can't leave. I am very, I love the energy and I love that anything can happen at any moment. Anything, it seems, except finding a guy who's not a poet. 
I even found a guy who was a successful finance guy and then I go to his house and he shows me his poetry chapbook. So it's just like, (laughs) just keep finding me. The pressure to start a family isn't just coming from Sahar's internal organs. There's her parents too. They don't care what I do as long as I have a kid. I think that's the only thing that would ever really disappoint them about me is if I just didn't have a kid. But that's not the reason I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Sahar likes taking care of things. She's an older sister. She likes doting on her friends. And she's got Frankie, her elderly chihuahua. She says taking care of him has even given her some insight into the selflessness of parenthood. Just changing my behavior to wake up at 7.15 to let him pee has been like a bit of a sacrifice. So, Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so maybe Sahar doesn't have that much insight into the realities of raising a baby. But who does? Wanting to be a parent isn't about knowing you'll be great at it. It's about taking a dive off the deep end. And Sahar really wants to jump. So she brought it up with her gynecologist. She said, hey, I know I'm getting older, and I also know I want kids. So what should I be thinking about? First of all, she told me to try Match.com. Zahara was like, yeah, thanks. I'm working on that part. What about the medical part? She asked what her doctor knew about egg freezing. This is something I was thinking about. I just want your advice. And she's like, you're going to be 33 this year. The technology has gotten a lot, lot better. Like, they wouldn't have recommended it as an option, I think, even a couple years ago. Zahar's doctor is right. Egg freezing, while it has been an option for decades, has become a lot more accessible in the last five to ten years. The treatments to get your body prepped are less intense than they once were. The surgery is more precise. And even the freezing technology has progressed so that more eggs survive the process. In fact, egg freezing has become so accessible that tech companies like Facebook now offer to cover expenses for their female employees who want the option to postpone kids and climb the workplace ladder. So when Sahar asked her doctor about this, the doctor was like, you know, this could actually be a good option for you. And I was like, okay. Um, And then I made an appointment a couple months later to start the process. That appointment was with a fertility specialist. He showed me a very frightening PowerPoint presentation that explained um, all of uh, the procedure and like all the anatomy. And then he also had this bar chart that um, showed, like, the viability of your eggs and how they uh, deteriorate through time. The chart showed that in your 20s, your viability is pretty high. The bars were tall. But then... When you turn 34, like, all shit breaks loose. And it just was like a nosedive. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really um, scary and horrifying. I was just like, ah, that's so soon. Sahar was 32 when she saw this graph, and she felt like it was speaking to her. Like it was saying, do this now. Freeze these eggs before it's too late. Yes, you, Sahar, do this now. Of course, the science around this stuff isn't quite that simple. People with ovaries are born with all the eggs that they'll ever have. Some are born with a lot, some are born with less. At age 20, most of those eggs are healthy. But then by age 40, a majority of the eggs, on average around 90%, are unhealthy. The genetic material in an egg just naturally degrades over time. Now, the procedure to retrieve eggs is called harvesting. Yep, as if our biological matter is some ripe summer crop. 
but not always that ripe. When a doctor goes in to get your eggs, there's no telling how many of them will be usable, and they might only be able to grab a few. If you're lucky, they'll get more, 10, 20, 30. Of course, the more healthy eggs you harvest, the better your chances are for a pregnancy down the road. So to start, Sahar had to get a blood test to determine her ovarian inventory. Mine wasn't super duper high. So they were like, it's good that you're doing it now. Like, they weren't like, oh, there's nothing there, but like beluga caviar or something. But they were like, they're like, you know, it's good that we're doing this because you um, don't have a surplus. Mm -hmm. Okay. But again, like I'm younger, so there might be, it's more likely to be successful. And I hope I'm not jinxing myself right now. Having a successful surgery where they retrieve a lot of eggs is kind of important. If you don't get enough eggs the first time, you can wind up having to do all of this all over again. It is a lot to put your body through. And Sahara is well aware that she could just opt out, not do it. I just didn't want to uh, risk it. Um, my mom and all of her sisters had their kids really, really young. So I was just not sure if that was even possible. And just because it's possible, like that wasn't enough of a yeah, I just wanted a backup plan. I wanted some sort of a safety net. Um, can I ask how expensive it is? I don't know that yet. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm. They told me ballpark between five and $10,000. This procedure is not covered by Sahar's insurance, but she'd been saving up by living deep in Brooklyn and splitting rent with roommates. She also had a little money from her family. And she figured if she was going to use it for something, this was a worthy expense. It's like, this will be one of the most important, if not the most important things that ever happens to me. And to not have a guarantee, even though they keep telling me it's not a guarantee because it's not, nothing is a guarantee. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable not having a backup plan for something as important as motherhood. And at what age are you hoping to, to use the eggs? So my plan is that if I am unpartnered by 42, 43, I'm just going to do it by myself. And if I am partnered before that, I might not even have to use them. I wondered that. Yeah, I might not even have to use them. So, and that will probably be cheaper. Would your So would your first um, choice be to be partnered and just get pregnant Naturally. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a lot simpler. So this is a complicated backup plan because Sahar's best case scenario is that she'll never come back to use these eggs. And she'll have spent thousands of dollars on a hypothetical safety net that she keeps in a freezer. Coming up, Sahar prepares for the harvest. The nurse, last time I talked to her, she was like, in a very cheerful voice, like, I'll talk to you on your period, which I thought was a really funny sentence. We will check in with Sahar after her period. Stay with us. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze, and it felt a little like... <laughs> Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. You gotta come on, guys. This has to be like... Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. It's July, what day is it? July 30th at about almost six o'clock. I've been up for about half an hour. I'm trying to figure out how to get to the Upper East Side from Bed-Stuy on a Saturday this early. Um, I think that's going to be my biggest challenge today. I will update you after I actually inject myself in about 14 hours. Um, I will tell you guys how the rest of it goes, but so far, waking up early sucks. Sahar made this recording just a few days after our interview. We asked her to keep an audio diary so we could hear what the process was like. And then she came back after it all went down to walk us through everything. Um, The first step was that I had to get my period. And that happened three days after talking to you. So then um, I immediately got started. So I went up to the Upper East Side and got my blood tested, got um, one of many, many, many ultrasounds, the awkward kind. And um, So what does that mean? <laughs> it means that uh, it's... It's the it's the vaginal kind. I had to explain that to a lot of my friends. I was like, "There's it's not above my tummy because there's nothing in it's there. It's not like the wand <laughs> over the belly no, when you're pregnant. There's nothing in there. There's like a wand. <laughs> it's right? a different kind of yeah. wand." So Sahar gets this ultrasound. Then the doctors start her on some hormones to help kick her ovaries into overdrive. See, in a typical ovulation cycle, a woman releases just one mature egg. But with egg freezing, they're trying to get as many eggs as possible. And so they use hormones to help mature a bunch of eggs all at once. And Sahar's got to inject these hormones herself right into her tummy once a day, anywhere from 8 to 12 days, depending on how long it takes her eggs to mature. And over that week, week and a half, there's a strict schedule. She does the hormones at night, straight into the tummy. And she wakes up early, goes to the clinic for a blood test every single morning. And then they adjust the hormone dose. And then Sahar repeats the whole process all over again. Plus, there's a specialized fertility pharmacy that Sahar's got to go to. It is all the way across town from the clinic. It's about a quarter past eight, um, Saturday night, July 30th. And I just wanted to give you an update about this morning. So I took a million trains and made it to the Upper East Side. And um, 
got my blood tested, got an ultrasound, got um, last minute instructions. And I'm going to be giving myself injections in about 45 minutes. And I've been procrastinating by uh, cutting up a watermelon. I made my dog a t-shirt and uh, just waiting. I'm going to watch the instructional videos a few more times. Oh, I found out how much everything's going to cost. Last night I picked up my medicine. I only got seven days worth and it was $2,300. Um, the treatment will last between 8 and 12 days, so there's going to be another set of drugs I need to pick up. Sahar says she bought the drugs in phases. It was a few hundred bucks per dose, and she didn't know how long exactly she'd need the medication. And I just sort of bought what I knew I would need for the next couple of days. Did you know how much it would cost going into the pharmacy? No, and it ended up costing altogether a little bit more than $15,000. That's including the drugs including and the, the drugs doctor's and the, visits. Yes. The only thing insurance did cover was the anesthesia during the procedure. So Sahar ponies up for the drugs, brings them home, gets ready to inject herself, which is nerve-wracking. Uh, I had to do it in my kitchen because that was the only flat surface that's in my apartment. Because I have to lay out everything. Because you want to get it done really, really quickly. So what do you have to lay out? What's in front of you? Um... <laughs> So I used my dog's potty pad so I would have, like, a clear surface. I would clean off the table because it was a bunch of dudes, and then I put the potty pad on the table. I'd lay out, like, my uh, antiseptic wipes and then, like, the doses that I needed, and I'd have my computer out so I could watch the video again right before I did my injections. Um, Like a good little student... And um, my, like, box of loose needles, used needles, which I still haven't disposed of. They're still in my room. I'm not entirely sure where I should take those, but it's a conversation piece now. Um, There's usually somebody around just, like, watching TV or making dinner, like, asking me things. Like, what are you, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) For example. (laughs) Yeah. So I just did my first injection, and actually the literal act of putting medicine in my body via needle was the least stressful part of it. I, um, this is really embarrassing, but I totally accidentally wasted one day's dosage of one of my medications, which means I basically threw away a few hundred dollars worth of medicine, and I feel really embarrassed and wasteful. One medicine Sahar had to mix and put in the syringe. Somehow she wound up squirting it all over the floor instead of into herself. And I completely did it wrong. I should have been paying more attention in chemistry class. I even watched the video like like several times, but I will do better tomorrow and I'll be less of an idiot, hopefully. Um, it hurt though. The um, The needles are really long and sharp but we'll see we'll see how it goes um and enjoy the rest of my saturday night um i'll talk to you guys tomorrow bye even after sahar became a syringe master those 11 days on hormones were rotten on doctor's orders she wasn't supposed to exercise or exert herself she had to be home at nine o'clock every night for her injections and because she had never been on hormonal birth control this was her first experience taking hormones 
They were making her feel a little off. It was, like, fine at the beginning. And then the day before, like, a couple days before, I was, like, really hard to walk around. Like, I just was, my ovaries just felt really present. It also, like, I would describe it as, like, a tin can full of pennies. Like, I just felt like when I was, like, walking around, like, I felt like I was kind of, like, rattling. Hmm. And it was also, like, really hot because I did it in August. And I had to go out to walk my dog several times a day. And I was just sort of, like, hobbling around in a very uh, inelegant fashion. And what was it like to go have these appointments early in the morning and then go straight to work? It was it was fine just because, like, I'm very fortunate to have very um, emotionally generous coworkers. I don't think I could have done it without telling everybody. It took, it took a lot of, like, planning. It took over my entire month of August, basically. Hey, guys. Um, it's the fourth day at, of treatment. I'm at work. Here's another recording that's a hard made for us. And I wanted to give you a feelings update. I think it's side effects because I feel really happy, but also like I could start crying at any moment, which is not normal for me. Just thought you might want to know. Another not normal thing for Sahara was seeing her ovaries starring in their very own show on a big screen. She'd go in for her ultrasounds and the doctors would get all excited and point Look, your eggs, they're getting bigger. At first, I'm like, that just looks like a black blob with some gray blobs, but I'm, I believe you. Like, And then after a while, I was like, oh, yeah, it's getting bigger. Because I also was really hoping that I, wouldn't, I would only have to do it for a short period of time. Like, I was hoping they were going to get big enough so they'd be like, oh, this is great. You can do the procedure tomorrow. But that never happened. <laughs> It never happened. You know, I'm just thinking about, like, seeing that part of your body, you know, on a screen. And I think, like, usually we just see illustrations of our ovaries in, in like, books or online or whatever. I would have preferred an illustration. Like, it just didn't look like anything. Like, your x-rays of teeth are more beautiful. And those are also gross. So... So you were just, you were over it. (laughs) Yeah, I was over it. (laughs) So finally, after 11 days, Sahar reaches the last step before surgery, the trigger shot. 36 hours before go time, Sahar has to inject herself with another hormone. This one kind of says to the ovaries, okay, you've been busy maturing all these eggs. Now, release them. But I did have to put that one in my butt, which I also did in the kitchen. That's something I never thought I would do, but I did it. Sahar does the trigger shot late on a Thursday night. Then early the next Saturday, all groggy, she makes her way up to the hospital and waits. There are about half a dozen other women there for the same surgery that day, all sitting in the waiting room in paper gowns. One woman had had chemo when she was really young, and this was her third and last time trying to get pregnant. One person was a very young woman from Kuwait who was really impressed that I'd heard of Kuwait, and I was like, I remember the first Gulf War. And then she was like, how old are you? Why aren't you married? And I'm like, don't get me started. But most of these women were not freezing their eggs as a backup plan. They were doing it as their last shot. The whole process that Sahar went through is actually the first half of in vitro fertilization, second half, where you actually fertilize the eggs and implant them, 
that can either happen right away if you want to get pregnant immediately, or you can freeze them and wait, like Sahar. Sahar says it was actually nice to chat with these ladies at the hospital. It was like they were all in a club together, albeit a sort of sucky club. Yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of women were like, now that it's just us women, I'll just tell you. It's not me. It's my husband's sperm. And that was, I thought, was like the most frustrating thing to hear. It's like, oh, man, you have to do all of this and it's not even you. It's like, can you just like find some other sperm? I don't know. But like, <laughs> it just seemed like a lot of, a lot of work. And then I, it's, it was my turn to get into the, um, the operating room. And I was really struck by the quality of light in the operating room. It was, like, really beautifully lit, which I was really impressed by. <laughs> I was, like, I'm very sensitive to qualities of light. And then they put me under, which happened in, like, 30 seconds. And next thing she knew, Sahar was waking up in the recovery room. It's kind of like, you know, Thanksgiving dinner when you spend two days cooking and preparing and cleaning your house. And then after 30 minutes, everyone's done eating and just complaining about how, like, bloated they are. It was kind of the same thing, like, so much buildup. And then the actual procedure was probably about 20 minutes long. And that doctor did it 10 times that day. The harvest was over. Now Sahar just had to wait for a call from the doctor to let her know how many eggs they actually got, you know, to see how solid this backup plan really was. Oh, and in the meantime, this happened. I accidentally fell in love with somebody. It was completely unplanned. And it happened during this process, which was really ridiculous. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze. And it felt a little like... (laughs) (laughs) Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. We are back with my friend Sahar, who froze her eggs. Now, throughout the whole month of hormones and butt shots and ultrasounds, Sahar kept dating. She even felt a little freer. Like, now that she was taking care of the whole biological situation, there was less pressure to find her future co-parent. And it turns out Sahar's actually been holding out on me. There's been a guy. She just didn't bring him up in that first interview back before the egg freezing. Because it wasn't a thing, really. I guess back then they were just at the cocktails and pizza stage, so he wasn't worth mentioning till now. Is he is he one of the poets? 
He is not a poet. He's not even secretly a poet like some of the other ones. I asked him that pretty early on. I'm like, you're not secretly a poet, are you? And he's like, what are you talking about? That's (laughs) not a thing. I'm like, it is a thing. It's happened. His name is Duncan. And so tell me about him. What's his deal? Um, He sells wine. So we've been drinking a lot of wine and he likes cooking and he's really funny and he knows a lot of stuff and he doesn't mind that I zone out when I don't care, which is a really good um, system for us because he likes talking and I can't pay attention all the time. He doesn't (laughs) seem to mind that much. Sahar decided to just be upfront with Duncan about what was going on with her ovaries. It was sort of a complicated secret to try to keep. And Zahar's not really a hold-it-in kind of gal anyway. And actually, um, I went out with him the night after our first interview. Well, we were at a pizza restaurant, and there was, like, some kid, like, screaming or something. And he was like, oh, kids. And I'm like, I need to tell you something pretty important. Well, um, and then it turned out— What did you tell him? I was just like, well, I was on a—I was interviewed for a podcast about— I'm going to get my eggs frozen. So this is something which is going to happen pretty soon. And then it turned out it was happening. That was Wednesday. And then I started Saturday. Um, and he was there for a few of the times I did the injections. And what did he say when, when you, when you like, cause that's, that's a big admission that you want, not only want kids, but you're going to go to some pretty big lengths. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also sort of like, well, I might, I'm not going to really feel like myself. My hormones are going to be different. I'm not going to be able to do other things that I do to stabilize my mood. Like, I couldn't exercise. And I was just sort of like, well, I can't hide it. I don't want to hide it. I'm going to have to wake up early, like, every day. And he took it really well. Yeah, he just sort of reacted like all my friends did. Also, it's like we had been dating for, like, three weeks. So it's not like I was asking him to have kids with me. Did you have the conversation of whether he wants kids? Yeah, I did. And and what did he say? I think he was kind of like a lot of men I know in their early 30s who are like, I think I do, but I'm really not sure. We'll just see if it happens. Because they can say that. Like, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. But they can. So what was it like to have your hormones going wild while you were in the very early stages of dating somebody? I think it actually weirdly helped because, like, I was feeling so physically crappy, but I was also, like, really, really happy because I had this wonderful person who just, like, showed up a very strange time in my life and was really sweet to me. Did he, like, bring you any remedies? He did bandage up my hand when I cut it with a needle, which was, like, I loved that because I was like, oh, you're good at taking care of things. When things go bad, like, you just know what to do. She'd even call him to complain about stuff, like picking up her medicine from the fancy-schmancy faraway pharmacy. Oh, I'm in the Upper West Side again, and they're not even open. And they didn't even have my prescription. And this matcha latte is terrible. And then he'd just be like, okay. Instead of being like, shut up, like, (laughs) you don't even have to do this. Like, stop complaining. Were you at a stage in your relationship where before you even, like, hit dial, you, you would be like, uh... Are we at a stage where I can call him about this stuff? Well, I kind of already told him about it. But so. I mean, to, like, to, to be the person that you could lean on, because you still yeah. didn't know him very well. Yeah, actually, once I told him and he thought about it, it, everything became really serious really fast in a way that I probably would have been 
not rejected, that's not the right word, but I wouldn't have pushed back against in the past, but things were just sort of like in a more serious tone just because it's a medical procedure and it costs so much money. And it was like this thing I'd been thinking about for like a year finally happening. It didn't even occur to me to not call him. I was like, there's not that much to lose because it was only been a short period of time. And then it worked out really well because like he was just so supportive that it just showed his character to be really good. I'm still struck by like the irony of the timing of all this. That's the most cheesy part that actually gets on my nerves the most. Cause I'm like, I, it's like, Oh, things happen when you're not looking. Like you don't want that to be true. Cause you like, that just kind of sucks. So your freezing of the eggs, is it more about um, sort of giving you the insurance to be able to wait until you're older, or is it about meeting the right person? I think those things are both, like, linked. Because it's not even, like, the right person, I talk about this with Duncan all the time. If I had met him two years ago, it wouldn't have worked out. And I Why think, not? I just don't think I was looking for someone serious. I think I would have just been like, why do you like me so much? There's probably something wrong with you. And then... I don't know, somehow sabotaged it. So is that kind of, that's a thing that you do is sabotage I didn't realize that was a thing that I was doing until this happened. And then also it's sort of like, if he could deal with like this pretty major awkward life situation, he can probably deal with lots of things. Just a few weeks into dating Duncan and a couple days after her surgery, Sahar got her results. She got a call from the doctor's office, and the nurse told her a couple of things. First, something had happened that was really common. One of the eggs they retrieved wasn't healthy. It was a bum egg. They couldn't use it. I named that one Raymond, and I just talk about how he's a disappointment all the time. Why um, Raymond? I don't. It just seemed like a disappointing name. Like, <laughs> it's just Raymond. So, like, sometimes I'll just be complaining about him. And then the nurse got to the cold, hard numbers. We got six. One wasn't, was bad, so you have five. Just five good eggs. Five eggs is not that much of an insurance policy, um, which was like the whole point of this. Um, it just seemed like a lot of work for not that much outcome. The doctor we consulted with on this episode said 10 eggs is usually what they're hoping for, and Sahar got half of that which means that after factoring in the eggs that don't survive the freezing and making embryos and implanting the embryos, five eggs boils down to only one good shot at a pregnancy. I was talking to my doctor. He's like, five is fine for you. Um, If if you want to have more than one kid, which I do, and you want to use eggs for them, then there's a I should probably do it again. Sahar knew this could happen. The doctors had warned her. And now they were telling her to think about doing it all again, and soon, in the next couple years before she turned 34. But I don't know if I want to do it again. It's just, like, so expensive, so much work. Would that be another $15,000? It'd be another $15,000, another of going on hormones and then off hormones, which actually was a lot harder than going on them. It'd be another month of my life that's completely gone. Also, Sahar may never come back and use these eggs. In fact, only about 10% of women who freeze their eggs actually come back to use them. Sahar says it feels like having insurance, but kind of bad insurance with a really high deductible. 
So, so are you glad you did it? Yeah, I'm glad I did it. I, I'm not, I'm still a few years away from wanting to have a kid. I have five eggs, you know, that's better than none. Sahar is giving herself a little more time before she decides whether to go for egg harvesting the sequel. But the cost and the inconvenience are pushing her toward no. And in a way, this puts Sahar back where she started, subject to the whims of her own biology. She's still got pretty much the same amount of uncertainty as anyone trying to figure out how and when to have kids. Except she does have this one shot waiting for her in a freezer if she wants it. Sahar says if she never ends up going back for the eggs, she will donate them to science. She's even been joking with Duncan about having kids one day, and in Sahar style, they have picked out names like Asholot and Clytemnestra after an obscure Mexican lizard and a famous Greek goddess. If you want to know more about egg freezing, head over to our website, longestshortesttime.com. We have got links there to more information, thanks to our friends at Fertility IQ, including some really great breakdowns of egg freezing costs and benefits. And while you're there at our website, tell us, what measures have you taken to manage your ticking biological clock? Maybe you've frozen your eggs. Maybe you're thinking about it. Tell us everything in the comments for this episode. That's episode 120. This episode was produced by me, Hilary Frank, with Abigail Keel and Kristen Clark. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Leighton Brown. We get editorial support from Anne Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Rika Murthy. Special thanks this week to Dr. Alan Copperman from Reproductive Medicine Associates of New York. Next week on The Longest Shortest Time. You know, on tour, we'd play some weird punk venue. My parents were like, oh, it's my son's concert. So they would like get dressed up and my dad would be there in a tie and my mom would be there in a sari. I'll be talking music and family with Rishikesh Hirway, host of the podcast Song Exploder. Do not miss this show, you guys. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Tell us anything about your family. Right now, we're especially looking for stories about the weird and funny stuff that got your labor going. Maybe there was a hug that ended in uh, your water breaking, or maybe there was a crazy Thanksgiving dinner. Tell us what set you off. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and I host another podcast on Stitcher. It's called The Katie Couric Show. How original, right? I'm here to tell you about our awesome new episode that we just put out. My co-host, Brian Goldsmith, and I interviewed Ina Garten. That's right. The Ina Garten, as in the Barefoot Contessa. You don't want to miss this episode. We went straight to her kitchen with our microphones and interviewed Ina while she made us breakfast. Well, you're cooking with me, right? Yes, I'm going to help. Absolutely. She is awesome. And does she make some mean scrambled eggs? These are not your grandmother's scrambled eggs, people. I start with a remembered flavor. And, you know, we all remember scrambled eggs. And then I think, how can I do it differently? 
so it has more flavor? And how can I do it so it's simpler? That's on the Katie Couric podcast available on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) Stitcher. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze. And it felt a little like... Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western.